From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Captain Zamora talks to us about how she used her experience as a soldier to help her become a better collegiate coach and how she's helping the Army change their fitness standards after over 100 years to a more holistic approach, including nutrition, sports medicine, and strength conditioning. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I have yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Captain Ana Zamora, also goes by Coach Z. She's currently an ACFT project officer with the United States Army. Prior to this, she was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at DePaul University. She's also had stops at Penn State, UConn, Yale, and Duke. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role with the U.S. Army? Yeah, so currently um, I am the project officer for the state of Illinois, um, overseeing the Army Combat Fitness Test, or as you refer to the ACFT, um, as well as the uh, Holistic Health and Fitness Project Officer, um, which is the Army's new integration process of um, integrating sports performance, tactical performance, um, and holistic health with soldiers um, into the military setting. So that's what I'm doing specifically for the state of Illinois with the uh, Army National Guard. Great. So not only uh, you're not a civilian coach, you're actually in the Army, which, you know, and thank you for your service. Does that create more buy-in with you know, we're, we're working with the tactical athlete because I know a lot of strength coaches, someone will go work in the tactical side as a civilian contractor, but does it create more buy-in with the fact that you're a captain and you're actually been in their shoes? 
Yeah, it, it, it does. And not even so much with just the soldiers um, as well with like, but with the leadership, because yeah, you're exactly right. You know, um, there's this huge push now where we are integrating strength coaches into the military. So there are a lot of civilians that are getting the contract positions, which is awesome. Um, and I'm super excited for that. But yeah, it does. Cause you understand the culture from the bottom up, you know, like I've been in the army for almost 11 years enlisted as a, you know, private with no rank to my name. So it does speak a lot. And then to be honest, the civilian skill set, um, my, you know, time in the collegiate side working in division one athletics brings a lot to the table. Um, when I'm talking to my soldiers as well. That, that That's some, you know, great information. And you being in the military for almost 11 years, how did that affect the way you coach? Cause you've also been a, a coach at some pretty high level institutions. So how, how, how did the military affect the way you were a collegiate coach? Yeah, it's actually, it's been a really interesting journey because I will say that my familiarity was with the military first. Um, and then I got into coaching. So I will say that the military completely affected and developed who I was um, from a coaching personality perspective. I was very regimented. Every, I ran most of my coaching sessions like I was still in the military, um, which, which has its pros and cons and goods and bad, um, but very everything, you know, had a purpose reason. And I brought a lot of the discipline and a lot of the just basic things that we do in the army to who I was as a coach. Um, and that's, you know, who I contribute myself as to building my coaching personality for, you know, from the ground up. Um, and it, and it, it, it's just, it's who I was. I'm very proud of being in the army. Um, it's done so much for me personally and professionally. Um, but yeah, I think it was a little bit of a shell shock for some of my employers, <laughs> um, just kind of seeing me and then watching me coach are two different, my personalities are two different spaces, but yeah, just integrating a lot of the things and the schedule and the regiments and the um, values that I brought from the army um, completely embedded into who I was as a coach when I first started. Awesome. And what about the reverse of that? How has your time at the collegiate realm affect how you run the the, uh, ACFT with your current unit? Yeah. So like working at some of the schools that I have and, you know, working under some of the people and the things I've learned have allowed me to bring a lot of uh, unique skill sets to the military. So understanding, you know, the exact uh, importance of connection, which in military settings, you don't always get, but you get that opportunity on the civilian coaching side. You know, you build those relationships with your athletes, you build those relationships with your coaches. Um, So getting to bring that to the military side of adding that personal kind of connection and touch to it. Um, and then the scheduling, right? We, for those of us who, you know, do this on the collegiate side, you know, your schedule is 100% go all the time. Sometimes you don't even know up from down or where you're going. So kind of being able to adapt to that setting, um, on the military side as well has been a huge assistance for me. And then just being able to take things as they, as they come, um, you know, being able to be agile and, you know, mobile to whatever needed to get done, um, has really, helped on both sides as well. No, definitely. And you are the first tactical strength coach we've actually had on here. Can you tell us a little bit about what you would say you focus on? Cause I know we have an idea just being collegiate strength coaches and seeing the tactical uh, sector kind of 
explode and a lot of people going there. But could you tell us a little bit more about what it's really like to create a program for the tactical athlete? Yeah. So it's without trying, without getting like too far into the weeds, it's my position is unique in the uh, regard that I work with national guard soldiers. So I'm in a setting where, again, these are civilians, you know, 25 days, 28 days out of the month. And then they're soldiers, you know, once a weekend or depending on the training setting versus like an active duty soldier who gets up every day, puts uniform on and that's their livelihood, you know, and they have a lot of different resources um, and lifestyles than like a, 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 excuse me, National Guard soldier does. So there's that piece to it. Um, And then, you know, it's been unique in the sense of the diversity of soldier that I'm working with. So we're not like a special forces group where you have elite tactical training all of the time. So you're going to have, you know, your 19 year old kid who just got out of high school, just got out of basic training, who's never played a sport in their life. So, you know, even understanding where their feet are in relation to their head. And then on the flip side, you have, you know, your older officer population that's been in the army, you know, 11, 15, 20 years that are now adapting this different culture change within the army. Um, So I think when I'm approaching my soldier demographic in the position that I'm in, it's versatility and it's understanding, creating a program that at the lowest level can be interpreted and it progressed at, and then, you know, someone at the elite level then can perfect. Um, So making sure that my programs are going to be, like I said, versatile and um, able to reach a vast group of people with very different abilities. Definitely. And are there, I'm assuming there's minimums. So the the National Guard unit, here are the minimums to a fitness. Do you work off of that and give them like some workout routines to like, here's what you should do to stay in shape? Or is it kind of like that one weekend of the month you guys come in, I'm just going to cross my fingers and then hit the ground running for the couple of days I have you and then release you back to the general pop. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both, but uh, I'll give you a little background kind of where the military is right now. So um, for being dramatic, almost a hundred years, the army's had the same fitness test, two mile run to uh, minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups. That has since changed. And as of one October, we have now implemented the army combat fitness test, which is part of my job. Um, which is a multifaceted strength and performance uh, test. You know, you got a three repetition max trap bar deadlift. You got a 300 meter sprint drag carry. You've got, um, you know, leg tucks. You've got a two mile run still at the end, hand release push up. It's a whole gamut, all battery of actual assessments of fitness and strength, which is a complete 180 from where the military was. So there's, you know, obviously some apprehension about soldiers, you know, how do I start training for something that I've, I, I'm not even really educated on. Um, so that's kind of my perspective right now. And I've like, like you said, I've done that in the past. I've been like, all right, I got you for two hours over two days. Let's see what you can do. Um, but more so now it's honestly, you know, just like your, your basic textbook stuff. Let's start with GPP, right? Let's see where my people are. Let's get them some spatial awareness. Let's um, even things that we, I think we can sometimes take for granted, like a dynamic warm up, right? Uh, running something like that, that is, a lot of soldiers don't have um, a lot of experience with and in integrating that into plans. Because as we all know, you know, your early progress is where you get most of your progress. So um, 
I do focus on the end result of passing the, the ACFT, right? But one of the things that I'm trying to take away from was in our you know previous culture, it was, you want to be good at push-ups, you want to be good at sit-ups, you want to be good at running, go do push-ups, go do sit-ups, go run. So I'm kind of trying to change that perception of the current, of the new fitness test, right? I don't need you to go run a 300 meter sled drag every other day to get good at the 300 meter, you know, sprint drag carry. Um, So again, just educating the soldiers and integrating basic fundamental fitness and, uh, you know, training plans from that perspective of just how to achieve progress because entail, if, you know, if, if we can tackle the basics of what the test is measuring, you know, anaerobic ability, lower body strength, if I can, incorporate that into their plan, then, you know, the byproduct is a successful passing test. And that's kind of what I've been trying to uh, preach over the last year since I've been in this position. And, and has that been difficult? Cause I, I mean, even I knew the old tests, like the push up setups and the run, but th- I think there's a pretty good change of things being able to throw like a trap bar deadlift and some drags and, you know, something more relevant, but has it been tough? Cause I'd imagine just like, any skill set or any even working in the collegiate realm, like there's people that are stuck in their ways and you have to kind of break that. Was it difficult to do that? Oh yeah, for sure. And we're, we're, I mean, we're still in that phase. Um, so like I said, the test did go live one October. So it is our current, you know, test for record, but for example, um, to do a trap bar deadlift, you need a trap bar, um, you need 40 pound kettlebells to execute the, the sprint drag carry and things like that. And so even little, I shouldn't say little, but logistical things like that, our state didn't have until this past year. So there was even a lot of the pushback of like, Hey, I don't have a trap bar. So how am I supposed to practice a deadlift? I don't have space. You know, I live in Chicago. So a lot of our um, military units here in the area don't have outdoor space to do a 25 meter drag and carry. So it was like, Hey, yeah, you're right. You know, you can't do a deadlift per se right now because you don't have the equipment, but let's see what you do have. Um, and, and, you know, so there was, there was, and there is still a lot of that, um, pushback and just, I think it's just a, a lack of understanding and exposure. Um, and you know, I, I always, I say this quite often, but I'm like, you know, if I was a missionary and my one message was to be successful at the ACFT, you don't have to continuously do the ACFT. Um, so again, just trying to educate soldiers on options that they do have with equipment that they have around them or that they do have access to. So, but yeah, the, you know, it, it's still a struggle. Um, and I just hope that with education and passion, <laughs> which is kind of one of my fortes, um, that I can get my message across and create the buy-in with the senior leaders and then the soldiers at the bottom that, um, you know, this change is here and we're ready for it. And I'm going to prepare you the best that I can. And we're going to put you on the path to be successful in uh, whatever fitness and holistic health rate that the army wants you to be. Definitely. And, you know, I know the military does a, a pretty good job educating and building a leader. And so does the collegiate side of things. Where did, what experiences did you draw from either collegiate or military based that help you be in a leadership role that you're in right now? Um, again, they've, they've worked so well hand in hand. Like I said, when I joined the army, you know, I didn't have any rank to my name. So trying to get promoted and work your way up a lot of exposure of take, just taking charge and being in front of a group. Um, I think that's something I took for granted very early as a coach. 
um, because it came very natural to me um, getting in front of a group of individuals and leading them in a workout or whatever it was, you know, that was something I had a lot of experience with. And now that I've worked with some interns um, and and other younger coaches, you know, sometimes that's not, that's not a forte or something that comes very natural to them. Um, So I definitely think that helped me very early on because, you know, a coach could hand me a sheet and they're like, Hey Z, get after it. I'm like, you know, let's go. (laughs) Um, So that I was definitely very fortunate for that. And then, you know, like I said, as well, like the adaptability of just um, being able to take criticism and develop that into some sort of problem solving or, you know, a plan for the future um, on both ends has really, really helped me in my career as well. You know what, along the way, because it it looks like that your initial part of your career, it was focused on being the collegiate strength and conditioning coach. What made you, what made it flip? Like, cause I think that it's a very cool and unique thing. And I, I know a lot of coaches, even some big time coaches are switching from the collegiate side of things and going back and going to tactical side of things is what would you say is the one, I guess, misconception or something that you saw you see a lot of strength coaches making saying like, Oh, I could just go to the military side of things and it'll be different. Or is it the same or what, you know, what are we seeing in there? Yeah, I think I would just, um, I think that if you're coming from the collegiate side and you're moving into like the, especially like the active duty is again, you're, I think you still need to understand that you're going to have a vast array of athletes whether it's tactical or collegiate. Um, So again, understanding that soldiers are still people. Um, So I think sometimes, right, we kind of get caught up in that like idea of the military, who a United States soldier is. And, you know, you can make the argument as well for a college athlete, but you still have to identify and you still have to understand who they are as people to contribute to their success. Um, I think that would be probably something that I would just speak to, to college coaches and then understanding too, if you're coming to the military, this is a new, I shouldn't say, this is a newer, um, culture for a soldier. So I, you know, just don't assume that you can just kind of jump in and and take things like a hundred miles an hour. I do think there's going to be a bit of a learning curve, um, with soldiers there. So understanding that, yeah, you know, they, work ethic, all the things that you, you know, positive, great things we know about soldiers and think about soldiers, but still understand they are evolving dynamic humans um, and they still need a support system. So understanding that I think is going to help make tactical strength coaches successful as well. Definitely. And, you know, you're definitely on your social media, you're always posting your workouts and stuff. Is it, does your is that personally mirroring your own like recreation or is it kind of like both? Hey, look, you can be a soldier and still pass the new test, but also, you know, stay fit like me, or is it kind of, you know, what, what is it that, that you're posting? Um, I, think it, I think it's actually, it's both. It's both. I can say that. Um, so before, <laughs> before I joined the army, I couldn't even do push up. Um, so my fitness journey is very, very personal to me. Um, and so it has truly evolved into a a passion of mine. I don't just do it for a job. You know, it's, it's not just what pays my bills, but 
it's, I hold it very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's a form of, you know, I've said this before, it's a form of like tangible confidence for me. Um, you know, it's like, right. Hey, let me go back through my training books and see where I was, you know, this time ever X amount of time ago, and then seeing where you are now. Um, and I love that part of physical training. Um, and I love being able to take things that I might be struggling with outside of the gym and then relate them to things that I can execute with training time and patience, you know? Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, I genuinely truly love, um, being fit and I love, you know, training for whatever it is, if it's the ACFT, if it's just to live a happy, healthy life. Um, those are things I take really personal. Um, and then, yeah, you know, now that I'm in this role here, I do want to kind of extend that message. Like, Hey, you don't have to, I don't need you to run a, you know, a, an Ironman. I don't need you to be a professional triathlon athlete. Um, but I do need you to get up and sweat a few times a week. I need you to be proud of your body and understand what it is capable of doing for you and understand that we are part of an organization that creates professional opportunities based on physical fitness. Like it is what it is. Um, it is a measurable area in the military of how successful your career can or can't be um, based on your level of physical fitness. So um, I think, I think it's a little bit of, of both, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to get in the gym every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And what's the turnover rate with your group that you're seeing with the national guard? So I'm just trying to think, you know, I'm assuming the national guard is always getting some new uh, soldiers in there and, and working things. So we'll, What's the, what's the turnover rate? So I'm just trying to think if you're trying to build a culture and you always got mm-hmm. like new people coming in, is it kind of like, how do you establish that? Or just what, how often so do you get we, new people? We get new soldiers. I mean, I wouldn't say probably as regularly as you think, but um, again, the consistency of when we see them would probably be, I would think is it contributes a little bit more to the consistency of the group. Um, because when, when you do enlist in the army, you do sign a contract. So you're typically going to be in for, you know, anywhere from three to five years at minimum. Um, and we don't see too much turnover within the actual like soldier group. But like I said, you know, if if you got something that came up during that weekend, I could, you know, and I don't see you that month. Now we're talking, I haven't seen you in 60 days or, or something to that effect. Um, but like I said, we're still in the infancy kind of stages of, implementing a true system and program statewide where we can address some of those issues and get some continuity throughout the the state of Illinois. There's 10,000 soldiers um, in the state of Illinois spread out, you know, geographically amongst 48 different, what we refer to as armories, so like our buildings. Um, And so that's part of, you know, what I'm doing now from a planning perspective of how we can best integrate, you know, continuity amongst our training in an environment where we technically only see these soldiers, you know, sometimes once a month, once every other month. We'll be right back. The GymWire Power Tool is the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training. The question isn't what does GymWire do, but what it doesn't do. You can perform velocity zones, jump testing, athlete profiling, predictive 1RM analysis, live leaderboards, asymmetry resting, fatigue monitoring, and so much more. Because of the versatility the system offers, coaches can rest assured they're getting the real value for their money. They are the gold standard for velocity-based training with an interface that is easy to follow and a team at GymAware that are always top-notch with their customers. For more information, 
head to the website gymaware.com or contact the Gymware team directly. Definitely. And, you know, you don't have to reveal the, the whole thing, but what's that the end goal for you? Like for that, because you're saying it's it's a process, you're still in the infancy stages. What's the what's the goal for you then with this new process? Yeah. So our end state essentially is, you know, having a state led program um, that addresses soldiers needs from a holistic perspective. So that, you know, with the ACAT just being one component. Um, so that was kind of a catalyst for this culture change within the military was integrating the ACFT. So they started with the transition of the fitness tests. And now, you know, the analogy I usually make is like the transition from like a, a basic strength and conditioning program at a school to like a high performance model. Um, so, you know, we're trying to integrate, you know, spiritual, mental, nutrition, um, you know, getting some registered dietitians in the state, um, you know, behavioral health, things of that. Nature. So yeah, the end, end goal is, you know, some in-state program that we can integrate that is truly going to help soldiers develop themselves mentally, physically, emotionally. Oh, that's right. That's great. So you're including nutritionists. I'm, I'm assuming you're teaching them how to recover and maybe you guys got athletic trainers or well, is it is that whole approach? Exactly. So, right. So instead of, you know, just focusing on like, okay, bigger, faster, stronger, it's, you know, how is your recovery? It's, you know, what kind of prehab are we doing? What sort of assessments, um, you know, so assessments is going to be a foundation of the program. Um, you know, athletic trainers hiring some personnel from the civilian side. Um, Cause right now we don't, the army doesn't have strength and conditioning coaches or athletic trainers and they're like, as you were saying, you know, they just contract civilians out for that. Um, so yeah understanding how we can integrate those civilian positions within the state to keep the soldiers healthy and fit. And are the soldiers similar to the collegiate athlete in the sense of like, Hey, you know, they really just don't know. You got to teach them, Hey, this is what good recovery looks like. This is what good nutrition looks like. Or is it kind of assumed that it's instilled in them already? No, it, it, I make a lot of analogies to, you know, some of my soldiers and um, my student athletes. They're, they're very similar in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, it, it is, um, like you said, teaching them the importance of sleep and especially in an environment like the military, like sleep, what's that? Um, and same thing with nutrition, right? Like when we're on the field um, training or, you know, when we're in environments that aren't necessarily conducive to, you know, three square meals a day or eating MREs or whatever have you. Um, so educating them on, you know, the importance of, okay, well, we might not be able to do it all the time, but when you can do it, here's what you should be focusing on. Definitely. I think that that's great. What is the big difference for you that you've seen in the culture of your weight room or your high performance model with your soldiers versus what you've seen, the, the culture that you've est- tried to establish with the collegiate team? Or is there a difference? I think that, well, I think the biggest difference is when you're coaching, when I'm coaching on the collegiate side, right, we can always use our games or our season um, as kind of like that overarching goal where we want to get to, like, we're planning for season, we're planning for season, right? We're planning for, you know, conference tournament, this, that, the other. Um, And those are kind of like milestones and individual markers, right, of how we can get to where we want to be by that set time. 
in the military, it's very, it's really different because yeah, we have these, you know, fitness assessments, but outside of that, it's kind of trying to instill this like culture and thought process of like, I need to do these things so that I can sustain my job over long periods of time. Um, which I, you know, we, I think we try to preach that to college athletes, but it's much more in the now. And then in, within like, you know, like our training cycles versus like a soldier, I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, we could be working together for the next, you know, if you stay here and I like four years. Um, and it's like, you know, there's no, there's no big conference championship, you know, there's no, you know, game or in season event that we can really train for. It's, you know, just utilizing the fitness test as markers of their, you know, abilities, and then just trying to legitimately just change their thought process and their culture on how they view their own personal fitness. And you've been through it all and you have such a great resume when it comes to both the the military and where you've coached, you know, what's some advice you'd give to the younger coaches that are, you know, maybe they're just getting off their, an internship or they're just getting done with a graduate assistantship and they're in, you know, probably the grind stage of what we do. You know, maybe they're just doing it for free and still working their butt off. What's some advice that you'd give to, to those coaches? Um, I think, I think there's a couple pieces of advice I would, I would give to like coaches trying to, you know, navigate that new grind situation. I think one of them would be, you know, taking a step back and understanding how to critically assess situations or critically assess, right. What, whatever program you're working with. Um, so I think there's a tactful way to kind of challenge the status quo, right. Of like where you are, um, but you better bring something to the table, right? So don't just, you know, butt heads to butt heads. But I do think that young interns and GAs have a lot to offer. Um, so maybe not being afraid to kind of challenge what may be happening in the organization that you're at right now with something to bring, right? Um, and having those dynamic conversations with whoever, um, you know, you're in that position with and asking questions and trying to understand the system as a whole. Um, you're going to get plenty of time in the weight room. Um, so trying to understand the, the counterparts and the pillars that contribute to where you are in that system. Um, and I definitely think just networking. I know I'm sure that, you know, that gets beat like a dead horse, but um, right place, right time exists for a reason because, you know, putting yourself in those places at the exact right moments. Um, so just ensuring that you're getting out there and, you know, social media has helped with that a ton, but, you know, just, making yourself known and not being afraid to contribute to whatever organization you're in, however you can. Uh, uh, absolutely. And what about advice for a female strength conditioning coach? Cause females are definitely still the minority as far as positions held as for full-time and paid positions. So what advice you, would you give to another female coach that's trying to establish herself in a male, predominantly male profession? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. You know, females are still a minority in our industry and it's definitely changing, which is exciting and great to see. Um, I know, again, probably something that's been, been beaten down quite, but mentors and community are huge. Um, I think that having like-minded women with different backgrounds and different you know, paths in the industry could be 
huge for a young female coach who's trying to kind of find her way or understand who she is. And then I think just developing your coaching personality and and understanding who you are in terms of a coach and being proud of that. Um, so bringing who you are to the table, um, whether, you know, you're a female from whatever background, um, and understanding that you have something to contribute because your journey was different. Um, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice to young females in the industry. Definitely. And you mentioned networking and it just so happens your best friend is also a very high level strength coach. Who, who wanted to be the strength coach first? Was it you or was it Ash? Um, it was definitely Ashley. Okay. Uh, she, yeah. She wanted to be a strength coach first. Um, and I, you know, I admire her so much. Like I told you, we, you know, we've been best friends since we were 12 years old, um, which is over half our life. <laughs> um, but yeah, she wanted to be a strength coach first. Um, and then just kind of through her journey and watching her kind of grow and then just where like, you know, the industry kind of took us, I, we kind of tackled it together. We both ended up being interns at the same time. Um, but yeah, she took the first leap for sure. And, uh, I just kind of rode on her coattails for a little bit. And you, did you look at her and be like, yo, this is what I want to do too. Or were you like, yo, you're crazy. And then you're kind of, well, okay, maybe there might be more to this. Um, it was definitely the, it, so I didn't really understand exactly what it was. And then um, she was interning at the University of Dayton. And then I joined the military and then came back and finished school and, you know, fast forward a few years. Um, and then when I got my first internship at Duke, um, she was still in Savannah and Georgia. And that, that was when the phone call happened. I was like, yo, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I, this is where I want to be. And then I was like, and of course I want you here with me. Um, and then six months later, she came in on staff and then we were both interns at Duke together. You really get to know your best friend when you share a 300 square foot studio apartment with no walls. <laughs> I'd imagine so. And, you know, is it helpful to have, and I'm sure she'd say the same for you being a success that you are and then the success that Ash is, is it helpful to see each other, you know, grow and succeed in the industry and do you guys help each other out? Or is it kind of more like, look, I'm going to push you because I'm doing this and, you know, and she's going to try to do it with you. Um, I, we're, we're so different. We are so different. Like we're, you know, polar opposite. So I think having that balance has definitely helped both of us um, throughout our careers. You know, we, you know, serve as sounding boards for each other for sure. But, um, you know, she, we've pushed each other in, in very different ways just because we are so different all the way down to how we coach um, to the relationships that we have with our staff and students. They're just, oh, they're just all so different. So I think it's been really great over the last 10 years because you, you have that counterbalance to kind of like, hey, we'll take a step back and what about this? Or what do you know, think about this? But um, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey and I'm very thankful for her. <laughs> no, it's just, the reason why I asked, it's just very unique that I don't think I've ever talked to a coach where your best friend from elementary school or middle school, you know, you guys, A, stay close for that long and then B, be in the same industry and be in the industry as tough as strength conditioning is and then actually be succeed and be at high level. So I think that's a very unique situation that you guys got. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's it's so interesting too because a lot of people meet us at like con- like you know the CSCCA or like the high performance basketball conferences, and they're just like, "Wow, you guys are really close. <laughs> like you must really like each other." And it's like, "Yeah, well, you know, our parents are best friends. Like, <laughs> you know, we've known each other for, like I said, however half our lives. So it's always funny when people find that out because they're just like, "Wait, what? I'm like, yeah." No, I think I think that's that's awesome. It, you know, if you could pick up the phone and call Anna Zamora from five years ago, what would you tell her? Oh, wow. Um, if I could pick up the phone and call myself five years ago, uh, I would definitely, I would have the conversation of un- taking things in the moment. So, Right. I know, especially in this industry, a lot of us are like, what's next? What's next? Right. And I don't think it's anything bad, but we're always trying to achieve more and feel more and do more. I think I would say, you know, don't be afraid to take a break and just pause and put everything you have into where you are right now and just enjoy what you're doing at that moment the other events will come there will be more events and just because you say no to this doesn't mean that something else isn't going to come along when the time makes sense um so i think i would just tell myself to take a breath and take it all in nice nice absolutely and you know what's next uh for coach of the year captain z like what's 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 something you're looking forward to in the next year or so that you've been working on and you want to see happen yeah, like I said, you know, it, it, it's such an honor and a privilege to be in the position that I'm at right now. Um, I, you know, I never was sure if the military was actually going to make the transition to utilizing strength and conditioning coaches in the capacity that they are right now. So I think just being on the planning side of developing this new culture for the army is just a dream come true. Um, so I'm very excited to see where this program goes and how the implementation um, comes through for the state of Illinois and for the National Guard in general to see this holistic health and fitness development take place and actually come to fruition. So I'm really excited for that. Do you see that being a trend with the military coming up here soon with, uh, you know, the more integration of the holistic side of things as, as a whole throughout the military? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when the military writes something in doctrine, that's essentially like our, our gospel, right? Like our Bible. And, you know, it's they, the, they've implemented it within our doctrine. They've rewritten manuals. So, I mean, it's here. It's happening. Um, and so I'm very, like I said, I'm super excited that they're integrating strength and conditioning, sports performance, athletic trainers into the military setting. I think it's going to be a phenomenal, um, just tran- very much needed transition. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not going anywhere. And I'm excited to see how it evolves. Uh, absolutely. I think that's great. And what do you have any social media that you want to give a shout out to you or what's a good way our listeners could reach out to you if they have any follow-up questions or I get, you know, just want to be inspired by what you got going on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like as you mentioned, I'm on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is a Alicia Z. So my middle name is Alicia. So on Alicia. Um, and honestly, I don't mind emails as well. Uh, my email is anazamora at me, like mikeecho.com. Um, cause I, you know, bounce around a bit. So my personal email, I'm always willing to take, um, I'm a pretty personable individual. Um, I enjoy, you know, meeting new people and conversing, but yeah, uh, Instagram or, uh, emails. Perfect. For anyone that wants to reach out. 
No, that's awesome. And uh, you know, I wanted to say, hey, thank you for your service and thank you for joining us on the podcast. You had a tremendous amount of experience and I definitely wanted you to you know, be on the podcast and share your experiences and what you got going on. And, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great to be on. And um, yeah, I'm honored to be a part of this. So thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.